Look around you. There's so much work to do. This world is in no condition for us to simply sit back and watch. There is a tangible, desperate need for Jesus. A glimpse of hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus experienced this. He saw it firsthand. The need broke his heart and filled him with compassion. He turned to his disciples and said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This alone should stir our hearts. It's a calling, a calling to make a difference, to share the truth of the gospel, to be a light in the darkness, to be the church. It's time for us to look beyond ourselves, to turn our focus to the field, to answer the call and passionately share the love of Jesus. This is our mandate. This is our mission. Are you ready to do the work? Hmm. God and Jesus have called us to something so much bigger, so much greater than being uh, baptized. That's great. Praying a prayer. God, I surrender my life to you. That's important. But don't just do those acts and then sit back and chill in a pew for the next 50 years. That is not God's plan of being a disciple. That's not what a Christian is. It's so much more. Real faith, true discipleship is not just believing a theology. It's not just walking an aisle or filling out a card. I want to commit my life to Jesus. Real faith is actually living out what we believe. Believing things in our head and then doing them. Following through uh, on the, the mission that Jesus called us to, that Jesus commanded us to, that is um, living out our faith. You can say you love something, right? You can say you love your spouse, but if you don't actively do things that are loving towards them, the love's kind of cold, isn't it? So we are called to actively love God and Jesus and to advance His mission in our world, to advance His kingdom that He wants other people to be a part of. God says He wants everybody to come to repentance and to have this abundant eternal life with Him. So thinking about this harvest, one kind of question I want to start off with is, will you and I... As we're seeking to love our city, will we step out of our comfort zones? Will we do what's in uncomfortable, inconvenient for God and Jesus? Not just the next few weeks, but in our lives for the sake of the gospel. I hope and I pray that we do. That's why almost every week, I think, I say, I pray at the end, God, strengthen us, embolden us, equip us to be the church. See, there's a big difference in the language there. We don't just come to church. Yes, we do come to a, a building 
and uh, gather together and worship His name. That part is important. But then we go out. We are called to go out and to be the church, actively participating in the mission that Jesus has commanded us, called us to do in the world. Being salt and light and the city on the hill to the world. Come with me to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 today on this really, really important thing. This is the first book of the New Testament, by the way, about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. Or you can cheat, Brian, and look it up on your Bible app. Just start typing in M-A-T and you'll probably get there. (laughs) I'm picking on Brian today. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Check this out. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. He has these words which were a part of the video, but we really want to drill this in and, and remember this today. Matthew 9.35 Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues. That's like their, their churches, their temples back then. Teaching in their synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Verse 36 When he saw the crowd, he had what? Compassion. Compassion. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I know we don't live in an incredibly shepherding uh, society today, but you can get that picture, like a sheep without a shepherd. If you have your little bulletin insert, you can write this down. Empathy and compassion come first. Empathy and compassion come first. So we want to love our city. We want to do these things. We want to uh, be the church in the world. And you can start serving. That's, that's great. You, you can serve without a lot of empathy. You can, you can do work without much compassion. But it helps to have that heart for service. Growing that Uh, That quality, that characteristic of empathy and compassion in your heart. Paul, he writes this uh, letter to the Colossians and he challenges them. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourselves, like put it on every single day. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Boy, if, if every Christian completely clothed themselves with compassion, Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. (laughs) You think this world would be a little different if everybody clothed themselves with that. But especially as Christians, that's our call, that's our uh, mission in this world. And that kind of mind frame, it doesn't doesn't happen by random accident. You know, what what happens when we're born is we're born with a selfish nature. You don't have to teach a kid to say it's mine. You don't have to teach a kid to selfishly want their toys and not let other people play with them. That's a natural thing that people do. And thinking outside of ourselves can be hard. We have to foster that. We have to grow that in our heart. You have to teach a kid, share, 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 share. Think about other people. Oh my goodness. I don't know about your kids, Eli, but my kids, we go places. We go on a walk. And it's like they have this tunnel vision. And they, they, they're walking around. And they're like this. <laughs> Where were we yesterday? Oh, at the Wright Pat Air Force Museum. And I'm like, Gideon, I just take his little shirt here. And I'm like, over here, buddy. And he, as he narrowly misses hitting somebody in a wheelchair, you know, over here. Yeah, I steer them through the crowds. 
You got to steer your kids through crowds because they're just like this. And thinking about, you know, they're just doing their own thing. It's like the people that you go grocery shopping and they put their cart in the middle of the aisle sideways and they're on their phone. Like, and like, excuse me, excuse me, can I get through, please, hello? Just, okay, I'll just move your car because you're not paying attention. <laughs> Kids and adults, we can have this tunnel vision, severe tunnel vision. We're just so consumed with ourselves and what's going on. Almost totally. And some adults never grow out of this. And sometimes we're those adults, okay? We have got to grow that spirit of looking outside of ourselves, of widening our vision to, to the needs of the world and the people around us, looking, does that person need help? Listening, we, what are they communicating? Uh, is there a, something I could do to help their situation? Watching, listening, serving with our hands to people in need. It doesn't happen by accident. Kids have to grow in that. You have to teach them, drill into them again and again and again. Share. Look around, buddy. There's people walking and you just ran into that person. You literally knocked them over. What are you doing? Look around. We have to say that continually to our kids. And so many adults, I feel like it's... We have to tell ourselves. Jesus tells us. God tells us. Look around at the people around you, at your work, at your school, in your neighborhood, and your beauty shop or grocery store, wherever it is you go, tool shop, right? When you go to Lowe's, men and ladies, whoever, look around and be purposeful about this growing a, a deliberate mental shift, an attitude where we're others focused instead of just ourselves. Me, myself, and I, that's what our world is today. My wants, my desires, me. It's all about me. And instead, we've got to focus on other people. And God's Spirit. Pray for God's Spirit to grow your heart. For His power in your life. Help me to look around at the needs of people. At their situation. And not just be 100% all day long focused on mind. This this shift in perspective, this shift in attitude, it can be summed up with a couple words. Empathy and compassion. Anybody want to share? Just What's your quick uh, definition of the difference between sympathy and empathy? Have you ever heard this? You know this? Sympathy and empathy. Shout it out. Sympathy, empathy. I don't know. I, I don't know, but sympathy might be that you, you're like, oh yeah... Uh, okay, I've kind of been there. I don't know. And then empathy might be putting yourself in that person's place. Gold star, Nancy. So that, yes. You know, you kind of understand what they're going through, if possible. That's right. I mean, as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. Trying to put yourself in their shoes. That's empathy. Good job. Good job. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, yeah, no, 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 that's great. Sympathy is, um, it doesn't go as far as empathy. Sympathy is, oh, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. I'm sorry that it hurts. That stinks. Sort of, I don't, I don't want to say um, blowing it off, but you're, you're just not thinking about it as much. Now, it's good to say that. It's good to say, hey, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. But take it a step further. Don't just say, oh, I'm sorry you don't have any food. That stinks. 
for you. How about, like, let me bring you something. Here's a sandwich. Here's some soup. Just to say, oh, I'm sorry you don't have a coat and it's winter time. Instead of, hey, here's, you know, here's a coat. Take mine. Let me go to the store and get you one. It's, it's putting yourself in the person's shoes. It's not just saying, I'm sorry this is going on. That must hurt. But it's seeking to feel as much as we can to, to put ourselves in that person's shoes and to feel what they're feeling. What would it be like for me if my wife left me and my kids did this and my boss fired me and I had this pain or this surgery or this disease or whatever? Wow! Let that begin to break your heart and then you can really put your arm around somebody and empathize with them. Instead of just, oh, I'm sorry you got into a car accident. Like, hey, you were in a car accident. How's your insurance? Do you need me to make a call? Uh, can I bring you a meal? Can I visit you in the hospital? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What can I do? How can I be there for you? Because I know this is really, 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 really difficult. I've been in car accidents. I can't imagine what that one was like. Empathy versus sympathy. And compassion similar. Compassion in Latin, compati, means to suffer with. To suffer with somebody. Not just sorry that happened, to suffer with them. Their broken heart is your broken heart. Their suffering is your suffering too. And as we grow in this, man, that changes how we see people. And that changes how we live for other people and how we serve and how we help and to be, um, to be motivated to do things for other people, to serve. Like I said before, we can do that without much love or compassion. I mean, that helps a lot. But you can give somebody a ride without caring too much. But it's when we... It, it really grows and it really expands and it really flourishes when inside of our hearts we grow this desire, this empathy, this feeling, this compassion, this I'm with you in it. Our love grows and expands maybe to, to ways that we've never experienced loving and helping and serving other people before because we feel what they feel or, or, or as much as we can. And we know uh, it's painful and we want to help. And that helps stir our hearts to action. Not just, hey, I'm sorry this happened. But like, what can I do to help alleviate the pain, the suffering, the sickness, the heartache, the brokenness that you are going through? Do you ever feel that tug in your gut? That compassion? Just, you're compelled. I have to do something. I have to help. I can't not just sit here. This, this person needs me. This person needs something. I, I have to take action. That's compassion. That's empathy. To help whatever you, however you can. Not just to stand and watch, but to um, seek to do something to relieve some of their suffering, if possible. Or at least encourage them and comfort them in the midst of their suffering. And help them through it. And be there for them with your arm around them every step of the way. That's empathy and compassion. And we see Jesus do this again and again and again and again and again. He was... His heart was fully compassionate towards uh, everybody. Even in the midst of all his busyness, you can read in Matthew, uh, the chapters before this. Most of you already have, many of you have. And you can see how busy Jesus was. 
healing people, traveling, preaching the gospel, uh, doing the work of the Messiah, all this that he had to do before he went to the cross for our sins. Jesus was busy doing all this stuff, but he wasn't too busy for people. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? And even though he was performing miracles and so busy, busy with his kingdom tour, if you want to call that, speaking all around and teaching and preaching, he still knew that loving God and loving other people are the two most important things on this planet. Love God, love other people. Love God, love other people. All the commandments and the teachings of the prophets can be summed up in this way. Love God and love other people. Jesus saw the people and he cared for them so deeply. Not just, oh, I'm sorry you got hurt. But like in the trenches with them. Entered into their suffering. So deeply. Why would he do this? Because it's Jesus. No, but why would he do this? Because Matthew says they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Ezekiel also writes, So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Sheep without a shepherd, but no one has gone to search for them. They're lost, they're confused, and this is so many people in our world today. So many people in our world today are like sheep without a shepherd. Lost. Confused. They might not admit it, but without Jesus, they are lost and confused and uh, scared and, and frightened and in turmoil, wandering aimlessly, helpless in this sin sick world. Nancy. Um, Stefan had a case of vandalism outside of Jesus. I saw that. His yeah. And Tell us about it for, for those who didn't okay. see. Uh, I don't know if everyone even knows who Stefan is. Uh, Stefan is, um, what is it? He's. He's another companion on our road to yeah. Jesus. He's, uh, he interned here. Yeah. Uh, he's a pastor. Yeah. He's working with this mission over in Springfield. Mm -hmm. Well, they had a big cross out front, and this guy came through and tore it apart, I guess, and kind of tore the fence down as well. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, he said, some people said, well, he's, got, he's full of demons, the guy that did this. I said, well, he's clearly angry. I don't know what his problem is, but he may be very confused as well, as we all are, and it's probably going to take numerous times if he ever comes around, but um, he said, well, we'll keep trying to pray, you know, pray and maybe reach him. I don't know, you know, what, what's motivating the guy, uh, but, you know, this is what they experienced, and... Uh, I think more people are really lost right now. Just really lost. I don't know. Yeah. So many are lost, wandering aimlessly. I think, what's our natural response when somebody hurts us? Smack them back. <laughs> right, you want, to, you want to bite back. You want to punch back. You want to, oh, this guy destroyed our cross and our friends. We're going to get the police involved and justice is going to be served and, and he's going to get his, right? And what does Stefan do? He instead prayed for this person, tried to talk to this person. And because there's something deep down, when people act out, there's usually a reason. Anger, maybe loss, confusion, just whatever. 
there's something deeper that Stefan is trying to, to reach in this person. Hurt turns into anger a lot of times. It's absolutely can. person is hurting. Um, oh, hurt. Yeah, hurt. Hurt turns into anger. Yeah, I think I said heart. Yeah. No, hurt. Hurt turns into anger. That's a big truth. Man, so much hurt in this world manifesting itself in so much anger and war and suffering. And the more power people have, the more suffering they can cause on other people because they are themselves lost or hurting or angry or confused. And this world desperately, desperately, desperately needs Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. And what's he called in the scriptures? The good shepherd. There are lots of sheep and shepherd metaphors in the Bible. Lost sheep, wandering sheep, and we need the good shepherd to bring us back. He's looking for the lost sheep. That's us. That's your friends and your family. We've got to go after the lost sheep too. Will you and I have compassion on the people around us, not just like this and ignoring and going about our lives, doing our thing, focus on our needs and our wants and our desires and ourselves and just our family? We've got to take care of our family. Self-care is important. But let's widen our, our view and have compassion on all the lost and hurting people around us because it is prolific. Especially the past couple of years. So much grief and trauma and psychological difficulties and loneliness and depression and anxiety like we talked about last year. And suicides and drugs and just people hurting and hurting other people. And the world needs Jesus. So many people have help in need of help. And so much that we can do to help them. So what's the next step? Let's uh, finish our main passage today. Uh, if you still have your finger or app in <laughs> Matthew 9. Take a look at the last two verses here. Matthew 9, uh, verse 37. Completing this thought, he said to his disciples... The harvest is great, but the workers are what? Ah, the workers are few. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So, Jesus says, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. The harvest is great. There are so many people hurting. So many people who need to come to Jesus, who are coming to Jesus. But man, we need some servants. We need some workers Jesus says, you can write this down, last thought, if you take notes. Pray for more workers for the harvest. Just what Jesus said. Pray for more workers for this harvest. So the question isn't, is there more kingdom work still to be done? Yeah. <laughs> there will be continually until the day Jesus comes back. That's not the question. There always is more work. Jesus always needs more servants to do his, to be his fans and his feet in this world. The question is, will I actually get busy doing it? That's what we need to ask ourselves. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. <laughs> the harvest is great. The workers are few. You know, Jesus, he tells us to pray for more workers, but don't get this idea, this wrong idea, where, okay, God, there is so much help, people that need help in this world. I pray that you would send people to help them. That's good. That's important. But don't just pray that prayer and then sit back and sip your drink with an umbrella. You know, and you say, oh yeah, you need to go help over here. And you should do something over there. And yeah, kick your feet up and say, I'm supervising. I'm supervising. You know, I'm su you, you go work, I'm supervising you. And, and I'll watch you serve and I'll watch you work. No! Yes, pray for more workers. 
But you are also an answer to that prayer. You and I are a part of those workers that God calls to work and serve in this world. Not just sending other people out, but sending us out. That's what Jesus does. He says, pray. He tells his disciples in this uh, Matthew 9, pray for more workers, pray for more workers. And then what does he do in the next chapter? He sends out the workers. He says, disciples, pray for more workers. And then he says, go, you are the workers. Into the world. Make disciples. Serve. Help. Have compassion. It's not just, I pray that other people would do all the work, Lord. Yes, please have other people do all the work. <laughs> we need to pray that more people would get involved. Yes, we, we need to pray that more people would become a, a part of His church, working in this world for that harvest, but we are also that people that we are praying for. We need to pray and then look in the mirror. <laughs> God, I pray for our workers. Oh, hey, yes, what can I do this week to have compassion and help the people around me? Don't just pray, but also serve. You are the answer to somebody else's prayer. Somebody else is praying right now for help. Today, this week. They need somebody in their life. They need compassion. They need care. And you can answer that prayer. You can be God's answer to their prayer. Isn't that a powerful thing? God wants to work through you, to empower you, to be His people, His church in this world. Don't just pray and then sit back and say, somebody needs to do something about that. that somebody ought to help that person. Wow, they need compassion. Hey, Pastor Dan, could you give this person compassion? They need a lot of compassion. I got Netflix to watch. I got stuff to do. I got to work on my garage. You go serve. No! We are all a part of the body, Jesus' body, the church, and every single person, we've talked about this before, has been given gifts and talents and abilities to work together. Every person, every Christian, every member of the church is a part of the body. And when we are all serving together, that's when the, the really beautiful stuff happens. Not just a paid pastor, not just the leaders on the board, not just the Type A personalities. Every single person in the church has a calling. Jesus has given you strength and abilities and gifts and times and talents and treasures to have compassion and take this next step beyond, oh, that stinks, I'm sorry for that person. To do something, anything. We talked, what was it, a month ago. There's widows in our church who could use a visit and encouragement. Write a card, send a text. Go see them. There are other people in our church who need help with this or that. There are people in our community who continually uh, just ask partners and hope, hey, is there somebody I can help today? And they will give you a list. You know, There are folks who need help in every sort of way. Justin Troy, Justin Pickwood, Justin Tip, or wherever you live. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus and we can be that answer to the prayer that God is calling us to do. We, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church. I want to be a part of a church that doesn't just say, oh, I'm sorry, that stinks that you're going through that. I want to be a part of a church that has compassion and loves people 
with our actions, with our deeds, with our life. Everybody together. There are a lot of people in need of help. A lot of people who need to know Jesus and be a part of a church community. Here it is, Hallie. Here we go again. The harvest is great. You know, there's lots of sheep metaphors in the Bible. Lots of animals. That was a, is an agricultural shepherding society. Right? And there's lots of farming metaphors in the Bible. We have some farmers in our church or people whose families farm. You know, today, probably not a lot of us farm anymore, but we sure need the farmers, don't we? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is great. The harvest is other people. The people in your life, your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, your family. It's easy to say, oh, I don't want to put pressure on them. Oh, I don't want to talk to Jesus about them. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Oh, it's inconvenient. Oh, I don't got the time. Somebody else can evangelize and tell them about Jesus or they've told me no before. But God is wanting everyone to come to repentance. And people do. And through us, people will. As we share with them how Jesus has changed our life and changed our eternity, the harvest will become more and more plentiful. But we have to plant seeds, don't we? Sometimes a harvest grows. Well, sometimes a few plants grow without you planting seed, don't they? I always like driving past soybean fields where it's like, there is one corn stalk over there. You guys have seen that. There's two pieces of two corn stalks. That's hilarious. Because uh, this corn from last year. In our garden, we had this compost uh, pile. Well, I should say in my backyard, I have a compost pile where we throw all our yucky food stuff. And we had a bunch of little pumpkins last year. In fact, I put some of the pumpkins on top of the pallets for our fall decorations. Those were our pumpkins. I didn't plant the pumpkins in my compost pile. They just magically grew from seeds. Who would have thought? From a pumpkin. Sometimes things grow by accident. But a lot of the time, we have to do the hard work of planting, investing in people, sharing our lives with them, helping them, having compassion. And not every seed will grow. Sometimes it takes other people to water it and, and God to provide you know, the power for it to grow. But we've got to be out there planting seeds because some people will come to repentance, will come to Jesus, and we need to be ready to reap that harvest for Him. To be there. And, and lead people to Jesus and not just say, okay, you prayed a prayer, you got baptized, great, now you're done. No! To say, hey, now that you are, uh, have surrendered your life to Jesus, let me walk with you. Let me be your, your, your partner, your compadre, your amigo, your uh, companion in this journey and, and help them to learn and grow. You don't know everything about the Bible. I don't know everything about the Bible, but we can teach other people what's in our cup, right? We can teach other people the things that we have learned and grown in. And that's a great start for a new Christian. Will we reap that harvest? Or will we just let it sit there and wither and die? And people who may be ready in their heart to come to Jesus, if we don't, if we don't help them along in that process, some people may wilt. And they were ready for a harvest. They were ready to grow. But where were we? Encouraging them and pushing them along in that journey. Gently. Too often. The workers are so few. I'm telling you. The workers are so few.
There are, <laughs> there are a ton of things that I would love to do. I would love our church to be involved in, to serve, to love, to give. And we just don't have the volunteers. We just don't have the people. I got so many ideas and I can do some of them, but I can't do nearly all of them because Jesus didn't say, okay, the pastor is the church. No, no, I am a servant. Here I am part of the body. It takes every member serving together. And so I do hope that you sign up for a project uh, for the love of our city, that you have, like we talked about a couple months ago, that battleship mentality of a church instead of a cruise ship mentality, sitting back there, sipping your pina colada with the, you know, kicking your feet up and saying, oh yeah, these people should serve. That's not the way that God meant us to be. He called us to work and to work hard for Him and His purposes in the world to be His hands and feet. This is our harvest. Troy is our harvest. Piqua, Tip City, Miami County, this is our harvest. We just need workers in the field. We need people to do that work. The harvest is great. It is plentiful. Will you be a part, Hallie, of not hurting your pastor, but of harvesting, if you like that, helps you remember with the farming metaphor Jesus said, harvesting the crops and helping those planting seeds to grow. Paul writes this to this uh, church in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians. He says, For we are God's masterpiece. We. He has created us. Every single one of you. A new in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can chill and sit back and enjoy. You know, Dan tried to have sharp things up here to scare Nancy every other week. No. <laughs> She's like, Dan, are you going to wave around a sharp tool again? Because I don't want to sit in the front row. Scares me a little bit. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things He planned for us long ago. That is the reason, one of the main reasons, that we are saved. It's not just to hoard all the salvation and love and time and talents and treasures for ourselves, but to be a conduit, a blessing for the people around us to love and serve and give like God and Jesus have loved and served and given in our life. To do the good things He planned for us long ago. God's plan is to use people to reach other people. That's us. That's God's plan. His a desire. And so, will you seek to be a part of His plan? Being the church in the world. Being His hands and feet, I hope and pray so. Let's take responsibility for our city, whatever city you're a part of. Look around at the needs. Every city is different. What does your city need? I'm hoping, nobody signed up for it yet, but I'm hoping that we get somebody, hint, hint, to, uh, to sign up to be a blessing to schools or the fire department or the police or the Partners in Hope or the Family Abuse Shelter or the Buckeye House or all these different things. Then we can call them and say, hey, what do you need? This is our city. This is my responsibility. This is all of us together. Or Anna. Sorry, I missed one. Anna. This is our responsibility where do you live, Kyle? Inglewood? Or what's it called? Brookville. What? Brookville. Brookville. My responsibility, Brookville, right? to take hold of this and see the needs uh, that are around me and to do the good works that God has prepared for us 
um, long ago. And so, this Love Our City stuff, I know we got all these projects. We'll never accomplish everything that I, I hope to get done until Jesus comes back. That's kind of the idea. <laughs> Keep working until Jesus comes back. But I don't want these projects to just be, hey, good job, we, we loved our city, now we're done. Woo! Can sit back and relax and start supervising again. No! Let's use this to kickstart, to, to get in gear, uh, serving more, giving more, loving more, so that it becomes an everyday rhythm in our lives, in our neighborhood, in our home, in our schools, in our work, in everyday rhythm, long after the Love Our City series. We continue loving and serving and giving because it has become a way of life for us. Not just a project, not just a short series up until Easter, a way of life, a rhythm, a discipline, a habit, a pattern, an attitude, a perspective. If you have a relationship with Jesus, God has called you to be a worker for Him. But we will never have a sense of urgency until we have a sense of responsibility. Until you understand, you and I, understand that God has put us here, like Esther and Purim this week, for such a time as this. God has me right here in this city, planted in this house, with this job, even though I may not like it every day, right? With this spouse, even though I may not like that. Oh, we won't get into that. Right here with these kids, even though I may not like them every day. No. Right here in this time, in this moment in history, 2022. And he has work for us to do. All around us. If we just widen our vision and open our eyes. We're going to sing our last song. And I want to close with uh, this encouragement from Paul to the Corinthians. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, pretend like he's talking to you. My brothers and sisters in the faith, Paul says, be strong and immovable. Always working enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Sometimes we feel like what we do doesn't make much of an impact. But we don't see all the impact that God is doing through us. Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. But what if I'm tired? But what if it's uncomfortable? But what if it's convenient? Sometimes, Paul, right? Sometimes, God. Just occasionally on the weekends when I have a spare minute, when I'm not doing anything else busy with my... No! Always, 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 he says, work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I, I hope and pray that you cling on to that verse this week, that we go and, and plant some seeds for the harvest and are ready and willing workers for Him, working together for the harvest so that other people might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and have abundant life that starts today and goes on forever for Him. That's why we're here. This is what our lives are about. God has planned for us to do good works since the very beginning, long ago. Will we be about it? That's the question I'll leave us with. Would you stand with us and praise our Savior. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart.
pray with me heavenly father we do thank you and praise you we can never thank you and praise you enough for what your son sacrificed on the cross in our place for our sins thank you god for giving the gift of jesus the messiah the savior to us and thank you jesus for being a willing and obedient servant to sacrifice your life you didn't have to but you chose to love us that much that you spread your arms and were hoisted up and bled and died so that we could be saved, so that we could have an abundant life that starts now and goes on forever. Because you have done that, in response, there is nothing we can do except give you our lives, except give you our hearts, except give you every moment that we have. Every area of our life belongs to you, Lord. All that we are, we give to you because of what you've done for us. I pray you would uh, embolden us, give us courage and give us power and strength and wisdom this week as we go from this building to be your church in this world, doing what you called us to do. Planting seeds and reaping that harvest that you have prepared for us from so many years ago. We thank you and praise you, God, most of all for who? Jesus. Jesus. In his name everybody said. Amen. Amen.